You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 22. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for joining me for another episode of How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany and I am your host and I want to first thank you all for dealing with my schedule changes and shifts and need for a break. I appreciate your patience and your continued support for the show. So just a few announcements before we get into this week's show. The show notes for this week's episode will be available at how does she do it podcast.com/22. As you can see, I've been off for a little bit so I'm trying to get my thoughts together. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at how does underscore she do it. You can join the email list if you visit how does she do it podcast.com. If you're going to check out the show notes, you can also sign up for the email list there. Or you can like the show on Facebook if you go to facebook.com slash how does she do it podcast. And before we get into the this week's just my thoughts, I want to remind you that the show is now available on a platform called Acast. If you go to acast.com, you can search search for How Does She Do It. You can also download the app. It's just another way for you to access the show. I am having some struggles with SoundCloud right now. Not sure if I'm going to continue to upload my shows there, but I will let you know uh, what the decision is related to that. As always, if you have comments, questions, concerns or topics that you want addressed or questions you want answered during the hashtag ask tiff segment you can send an email to tiffany at how does she do it podcast.com and as always thank you thank you thank you for your ratings and reviews please continue to leave them i always appreciate them and i will continue to read them on the show as long as i have them so uh, with that let's keep it moving This week's Just My Thoughts uh, cover a few different things that I've been thinking about and wanting to talk about for a while, but since I haven't been recording um, with the same frequency, they've been kind of waiting in the wings, but I want to talk about them anyway. But before I get into that, we have to talk about Villanova and how they are the NCAA national champions for basketball. A couple episodes ago, I mentioned March Madness was starting and the end result of March Madness happens with the NCAA tournament. It was Villanova versus UNC. I mentioned that I am a Duke fan. And so by being a Duke fan, I automatically am rooting against UNC because it's a it's significant and historical rivalry. That said, I was actually rooting for Villanova because I used to work at Villanova. So but all that aside, the game last night was one of the best basketball games I've seen in recent memory. I can't say it's the best game I've ever seen because I just don't remember that much. But I, this game was phenomenal. It's exactly what you want to see when you're watching a, a basketball game. The teams 
kept going back and forth with lead changes. The star players were hitting shots and then they were getting shut down. There were fouls. People were, you know, they were fighting for the ball. They were being scrappy. The refs were letting them play. The re- it, it was just, a, it was a great game. And it ended with a buzzer beater of a three-pointer that was, it was, it was just so good. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to some of the highlights of, of that game. If you participated in March Madness and, you know, putting together a bracket, Hopefully you watched the game last night and you were able to enjoy it. And I'm just happy that the team, uh, that Villanova won. It was their year to win. Congratulations to you all, UNC. Better luck next time, maybe. In other basketball news, Cheryl Swoops was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And I've, I've played basketball when I was growing up. And the WNBA started... Sometime during my um, my childhood, I don't remember exactly the year, but Cheryl Swoops was among the names of women who were just ballers. Like Cheryl Swoops, Rebecca Lobo, um, there was Lisa Leslie. Like those names were, I, I loved watching those women play basketball. And so to see her inducted into the Hall of Fame was kind of dope because um, she's like, she's a legend. She's a legend in basketball. So that was good to see. Shifting gears a bit to ingest my thoughts. So that was kind of the the positive, not that this is not positive, but there is, and there has been for the last few weeks, a lot of conversation around Nina Simone and the woman who is supposed to be playing Nina Simone in an upcoming movie titled Nina. And if you don't know anything about Nina Simone, I'm going to tell you just a little bit, but Nina Simone is a, is a, she's a legend. She's a musical legend. She is just, she's an icon in, in, a, in a number of different ways, but she's known for, she has a voice that is, it's just, it's mesmerizing. It's very, it's deep. It's just, it's a little, it's kind of not, raspy might not even be the right word, but it's very rich. It's a very rich, rich voice. And there's the song, um, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, which I think is one of her most recognized song, if you hear it. I know Common sampled it several years ago. And uh, I remember hearing it and hearing the the track in the background, I was like, who is this? And this was back when I bought CDs and actually had the the credits and the samples. So I opened up my, I folded out the little booklet and looked and and immediately went and downloaded that song and listened to it. And it's 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 a phenomenal song. So I also put a link in the show notes to a to a, a version of that song. But let's get back to this movie. So the movie is starring Zoe Saldana, who is is going to be playing Nina Simone. If you take a a look at what Nina Simone looks like and you take a look at Zoe Saldana, you will notice that those that they are, are look worlds apart. And so, as a result of that, in filming the movie, Zoe they had to put on, you know, a significant amount of dark makeup to darken Zoe's skin. They had to, they fit her with a prosthetic nose. Um, she's wearing, you know, a different, a wig, which is, you know, none of these things are uncommon. The challenge I have with it is I go, I'm, I'm, I'm torn because Zoe Saldana as an actress, 
as someone who is, you know, dedicated to her craft, she should, in theory, be able to play any role that she desires and is given to her. That said, if you, it's, I do not think that she should be playing Nina Simone because not, not just because of the physical differences in the way that their appearance, the fact that they have to darken her skin to make her look like Nina Simone to the degree that they'd have to, it's, it's kind of, it's bizarre. And this is not, and I know that there are other actors and actresses who have done this before. And that's not to say that they're right either. But when you think about some of the things that Nina Simone stood for, she was very, she was not embraced by, because of her physical beauty. And she was very deliberate about talking about the struggle and the challenges that black people had. And she is representative of some of the fact that dark-skinned women in American society are not embraced. We are not the standard of beauty. And for someone who's like, and Zoe Zaldan, this is not about her per se, but I think it goes against the legacy of Nina Simone and what she stood for by having someone have to be made up in order to look like her. I don't know if, if other, if women who were more phenotypically similar to her were cast for the movie or were attempted or just not available, that information I do not know. I do know, though, that the the cast of directors and producers and writers for this movie are all white. The makeup artists who are fitting Zoe for 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 the part are white. The pros that the prosthetician maybe I'm not exactly sure what you would call that person. The person who makes the prosthesis, he is white as well. And again, this is not about. I don't I don't want to say it's not about black and white, um, but when you if you're making a work that is meant to honor the legacy of someone then by having someone who is viewed more so in line with the American standard of beauty, knowing that the woman whose life you are portraying spent her time and, and literally defied the standard of American beauty as with grace and with, and, and just poise and and so many different things it is it's tough to see because it as a dark-skinned woman it makes me wonder why not have someone who actually knows of the struggle of being um you know what it knowing what it's like to be dark-skinned in a society that doesn't necessarily honor your um your physical features, why not have that person do it? And Tanahasi Coates wrote, as he as he often does, a very very um, moving article called, um, I think it was titled Nina Simone's Face. And one of the things that he talked about was the idea that 
casting Zoe Saldana was more about drawing a name to the show and to the movie than about honoring the woman herself. Um, Nina Simone's family has, you know, not been supportive of this movie to say the least. It's been delayed several times um, for, I think, a variety of reasons. That being said, I think that when... I just think that it's wrong. I just don't, I don't think that it's right. I think that it put Zoe in an awkward position. I think that she, she shouldn't have to defend her blackness. She shouldn't have to defend her right to play this role because she shouldn't have been put in this position in the first place because it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I don't think that it does Nina Simone's memory justice because I think that you, you lose something when you are attempting to portray someone, for example, when you think about Jamie Foxx playing Ray, and I don't know about you, but when I watched that movie, I didn't see, I couldn't, literally could not see Jamie Foxx because he had done such an amazing job being transformed into the man that he was portraying. You think about um, David Well, I don't know, I'm not going to pronounce his name properly, who played Martin Luther King in Selma, he was transformed into that role. You, you, it's the same thing is just not going, I have not seen the movie. The movie has not come out yet, but in seeing the trailer for Ray and seeing the trailer for Selma, you already had an idea that of what you would feel about the, the actor playing the the role here i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm going to feel that way and again this is this is more i'm almost sad as i talk about it because it's not this is not me trying to say that zoe doesn't deserve an opportunity to be and to honor someone who she should i just think that it's it's hard when you know that someone's someone nina simone specifically spent so much of her time being and talking about the pain and the struggle of being a woman who society told wasn't beautiful to then have, you know, someone who it's, it's just, it's just, it's complicated, obviously. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. And this is the last piece for Just My Thoughts for this week. Apparently, there is something called black privilege that I did not know about until I read the CNN article. So basically, I actually, before I even get into it, I just want to make point out that I went to CNN's site because I had read the article and then didn't have the link to it. I went directly to CNN's site typed in the words black privilege and could not find it. I went five pages in of articles and the article never came up. And if you know anything about internet searching and keywords and titles, when an article is titled something, it's usually, it's sometimes it's in the link to the title, to the, to the actual article. And that is the case here yet 
When I searched CNN, I couldn't find it. So I'm not sure if that's a conspiracy that's, or that's just me like reaching and finding something that's not really connected to anything. But anyway, I wanted to note it. So I had to go to Google and typed it in and found it within, you know, it was like five links down or something. Anyway, the article basically talks about the idea that um, in conservative circles, there is this counterattack to the use of the term white privilege. And basically it's this idea that white people are starting to express feelings that they are being discriminated against because of their race. So I'm going to read a quote by um, someone who has some show. I mean, he's not, honestly, he's not even worth really knowing who he is, but basically is he says, being black confers the advantage of rhetorical victimhood. Accusing others of racism is a convenient way of avoiding discussions on uncomfortable topics ranging from murder rates to poverty, single poverty rates to single motherhood rates. And end quote. When you list those things, murder, poverty, singlehood, it just sounds like rhetoric from the 90s. And just those are the only things that black people represent. Those are the only things that identify black people as. And so if we can't talk about those things and it's just it's just it's it's horse crap. The idea that people believe that being now this it's it's touchy because I love being black. Like I would never trade being black to be anything else. But to say that we benefit because we can complain about being victimized because of our race in this country doesn't even make any sense. It 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 just I'm like my mind literally hurts when I try to think about this. And the fact that people could think that it is it's a convenient excuse. Racism is a convenient excuse to avoid the quote unquote real issues or to find a way to try and make like talking about racism and talking about the systematic oppression and systematic and institutionalized racism that exists in this country is not about making people, white people feel guilty. And I do think that there is something that needs to be, like I've mentioned in, in past episodes, there has to be a more of a dialogue. And I do think that there is something to be said about the fact that people are feeling this way. That said, you you can't your feelings of of guilt or you know resistance of guilt or whatever the case may be. That does not mean that what we are saying is not real. That does not mean that people are not actually being oppressed or that we are actually just using racism as an excuse to avoid talking about poverty rates. Like that doesn't even that it doesn't it does not make any sense. It's like grasping onto straws that are slicked in baby oil because you can't hold them. They're, they're, they it just doesn't make any sense. And before I get more riled up about this, I'm going to say black privilege is not a real thing. I'm going to send put a link in the show notes to this article because I think it does a, a good job of talking about some historical things, such as the the way that the GI Bill benefited white veterans but did not benefit black veterans and allowed um, white veterans to to um, to access the middle class in America after returning home from war and education and all those kinds of things. It mentions some of that and it actually mentions a book that I read in graduate school and I was proud of myself even though um, you know I didn't have anything to do with the article or anything like that. But um, um, the name of the book is called When Affirmative Action Was White, by the way. Um, 
But yeah, black privilege is not real. Don't let a conversation go by. If you ever hear someone say that it is actually a real thing, stop them in their tracks. And those are just my thoughts for this week. For the last few weeks, I have been trying to process a new, a shift in my life. Um, it's been a very emotional experience. It's been a um, one that has kind of rocked my foundation a little bit. But um, what it has done is it's given me some time to be inside my own head, which is a place that I like to be all the time. And I know I'm being very vague. Um, more details will, you know, probably come for, forth later. But for now, we're just going to be vague about it. That being said, um, when thinking about my current emotional state and thinking about when people are feeling emotions right now, oftentimes those emotions are not just based in the present experience, but they're connected to other things. They're connected to other experiences. They're connected to parts of our childhood. Sometimes they're connected to parts of our, um, to other experiences that we've had with other, um, you know, other people with family members, with, you know, um, significant others with, with th things that we've observed in other people. And so sometimes there's this exchange and there's this connection between what's happening now and what's happened in the past. And so what I want to do is talk a little bit about kind of like two different things, shifting your emotions in the present, but also kind of breaking that the connection between the present emotions and the past experiences. So I want, I'm going to offer kind of five to six, you know, different steps or different ways to think about how to go about shifting that emotion and, um, and breaking that connection to the past. So the first thing is you should honor your emotions, but acknowledge that they are not always the truth. I heard Valerie Burton say, either I heard her say it or I read it in a book, but it, it stuck with me. Um, and Valerie Burton is a life coach and I'll put a link to her website in the show notes, but feelings are always real, but they are not always the truth. And when you are experiencing a negative emotion is specifically in that, in that moment, there is almost nothing that can be done to make you to, to lead you to believe that that emotion is not the truth. It is not a direct reflection of what's happening in reality. That being said, sometimes the emotions that we feel are not actually a reflection of true, true reality. For, for example, if you feel abandoned by someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person actually abandoned you. Let me give you an example. So when there was a guy I used to date and when he would leave to go hang out with his friends, it, I would be left feeling a mess on the inside. Like I would, I felt like he was leaving me and never coming back. And it, and that sounds extreme and it's not, it's not an exaggeration of how I felt in that moment, but it's, I, and I, and I paint that kind of picture, um, because it's an example of how him going to leave to go hang out with his friends 
wasn't him actually abandoning me. He was just going to leave to go hang out with his friends. But I felt as though something greater was happening. And so sometimes we have to take, try to take a step back and step out of the space that we're currently feeling to observe what's actually happening in reality and try to see, are you telling yourselves, telling yourself a story or painting a picture or developing a narrative to confirm the feeling that you have? Or does that narrative, does that story actually reflect what's really going on? And it takes, it, this is not something that is like a, you know, it's not easy. It takes time to be able to make sure that you can actually identify the feelings that you're experiencing and then be able to step in and out of where you currently are. And it basically, it, it, it's just making sure that you're being very self-aware of what you're feeling and then what's actually happening. The second thing that I think we can do to kind of shift our emotions is to change the tape. And by that, I mean, when we are in an emotional state that's either, you know, connected to a past experience or is just based kind of in where we are right now, what we're doing is sometimes we're playing a tape over in our mind that is that is supporting this these negative feelings that we're having. So the tapes, some of the tapes that we might say to ourselves, you're not good enough. You don't deserve good things. Why do you think that you would actually be have gotten better or be healed? Um, you're not as beautiful or as confident or as capable or as smart or as motivated as you think you are or as people think you are. And so sometimes these are the subconscious, these are the things that are going on in our minds that are playing in the back of, that are kind of supporting these emotional states that we're in. But when you start to change the message and you start to tell yourself different messages, for example, that you're not actually defined by the feelings that you're experiencing in the moment, that you are actually loved, you are capable of success because you have succeeded before and you will succeed again. When you can be aware of the emotion that you're feeling and then say, you know what, this feeling is right now, but here's what I'm going to say about here's what I know to be true, then you change that tape. You tell yourself a different narrative. You start to tell yourself a different story. The third thing to, that we can do to shift our emotions is to stop relying strictly on your own resources. There's this concept and this idea. Uh, it's, I believe it's called, um, I'm, it, this might not be the technical term, but it's like willpower fatigue. That when you try to rely strictly on your internal resources and your internal motivation, you get worn down because that resource is something that actually can get depleted. And so what you can do is look to other people. Look to other sources of strength. And I'm about to drop some scripture on y'all. I, you know, I mentioned that I'm a Christian. I try not to, um, you know, I don't talk about it directly all the time, but this is, this is one verse that I heard this weekend that I, it stuck with me and I wanted to share it with you because it speaks directly to this point of not relying on your own resources. So the verse comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and it starts at verse eight, excuse me, it starts at verse nine. And the verse reads, this is the New King James Version. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. The power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
And for me and for some of you and for, you know, not sure who you who your higher power is, but for me, Christ is becoming more of that strength, that source for me. And when you don't have to rely, and it's not even just, but it's, it's reaching out to friends, reaching out to family, reaching out to mentors, when there are other people and, and other sources that you can lean on, that you can look to, to help fortify your psychological and emotional, you know, support, you need to do that because we don't have to do this on our own. This particular verse talks about Christ being the source of the strength and that therefore, because he is strong, I am made strong even in my weakness. And that to me is just, is just really, um, is really powerful. And again, that verse is from second Corinthians 12. Um, it starts at verse nine. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but don't try to rely on your own resources. Don't try to do this by yourself. Don't try to, you know, don't lock yourself into, um, you know, into a corner and try to figure it all out on your own. Um, because when you're trying to shift your emotions, when you're trying to get out of a certain negative place, you don't have to do it by yourself. and You shouldn't have to do it by yourself. And you probably don't even have the energy or strength to do it by yourself because you're, you know, you might be so worn down by the, the state that you, that you are in. The fourth thing that we can do to help shift our emotions is to look at the evidence of your life, objectively speaking. And whether you are listening to this show and you know that there are still goals that you have to hit, there are still milestones that you have to reach, there are still, you know, um, positions that you want to obtain, there are still schools that you want to be accepted to, your life without even knowing your specific situation, I know for sure that there are things that you didn't think you would be able to do that you have already done. There are things that you have accomplished that when you thought about that thing a year, two years, four years ago, five years ago, you didn't see how that was going to happen. And so the the, when you are in a state of, ne- when you're in a negative emotional, negative psychological state, sometimes those things can get clouded. But when you look back and you can say, actually, I've come past something like this before. I've actually overcome a significant number of obstacles to get to this point. So what I'm dealing with right now is not even, I'm, I know that I can get past this. It might not feel like it in this very moment. It might not feel like it today because the tears are coming, the anger is there, the confusion, the anxiety, whatever it is, is happening right now. But even in that moment, look to where you are and know that this too shall pass. Know that you will get past this because you have gotten past worse before. And if you've got, gotten past worse, that means you're capable of going beyond the place that you are right now, period. It's that simple. If you've done it before, if you've overcome before, you can overcome again. If you decide to do what you need to do to make sure you get beyond where you are right now, because that overcoming that happened before, the achievements that you made, the moving on that you did, that you did before didn't happen by accident. You didn't wake up one morning and everything changed. You worked for it. You, you know, you prayed about it. You had friends help you. You sought resources. You, you know, you took classes. You did, you know, whatever you had to do to get beyond that place before. 
remember that those things, you can do those things again if you have to and if you want to. The fifth thing that we can do to shift our emotions is to actively embrace the experience and look for the lessons. This to me is one of the best things that has ever happened to me is understanding and actually living and believing this concept. And it's not, this is not about positive thinking and optimism, right? It's not about saying, oh, well, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side and oh, the sky, you know, the sun shines or behind the clouds on a rainy day, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I'm talking about seeing the pain that you're in, seeing the challenge that you're in, seeing the struggle that you're in, and saying that there is something to be learned in this. There is something to be gained in this. Growth doesn't happen when life is easy. Wisdom doesn't isn't gained when you don't have to go through something. And so when you can have the presence and the awareness of mind to look at the place that you are in right now and say, there is something that I'm supposed to learn here. There is something that I'm supposed to gain here. And to actually actively, deliberately spend time trying to figure out what those things are and not just allow the experience to kind of push you along, but instead take some ownership of it. Not ownership in the sense that you are necessarily to blame for it, although you might be, depending on what the situation is, but to seek that opportunity for growth in the challenge. Seek that opportunity for growth in the pain. Seek the opportunity to be better and to be made better and to be made stronger by the situation that you're in. And that applies across all areas of life, even in the the situations that the things that you deal with at work that are not ideal, that you wish were better. You wish this person did this differently, blah, 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 blah. Something about that relationship is something for you to gain from it. Something about that experience is something for you to carry on to the next thing. And when you do that, you are now setting yourself up to be that much better the next time another piece of adversity comes your way. The next time something, um, you know, tries to knock you down, you say, you know what, I've kind of seen this before, or here's what I learned the last time I faced something that, um, that kind of rocked me to the core. Let me see how, and, and of course this is not, it's not necessarily going to be this, um, you know, conscious, but if you just pay attention and, and look and take time to look for the lessons, embrace the experiences and to look for the lessons in them. The last thing that I'll say is, and this might sound a little like hokey or whatever, but you can choose the path of your emotions. And what I mean by that is we all have, you know, our, our mind and our thoughts can carry us down different directions and they can take us down different paths. And when you can be aware of the thought, when you and aware of the feeling that you're having and decide to say, hey, you know what? I'm feeling this feeling. I'm experiencing it right now. And I'm not trying to deny the emotion. I'm not going to try and guilt myself out of experiencing the emotion or make myself feel bad about it. But here it is, but I'm not going to allow it to take me in that negative direction. I'm not going to allow it to take me down that path. I'm not going to allow it to ruin the next four hours of my day. You can choose that. 
And some of the things that I talked about here, talked about today can help you, can help you kind of support making that choice and support making that direction. So not relying on your own resources and drawing on the strength of the word or friendships or conversations that you have with people that can help you kind of, um, you know, redirect and move forward of trying to pay attention and look for what can be gained from the feeling that you're experiencing right now and just shift your energy in a different direction. And I, I say that because literally this morning I had that kind of that realization that I had spent my morning, you know, I felt a certain kind of way and I was like, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to feel, I'm going to move in this direction. Nope. I'm not going to think about that. Nope. I'm going to, you know, keep it moving and not allow myself to wallow in this feeling. And I realized that I actually had created a different experience for myself. And it was, it was really, um, it was actually pretty emotional to realize that I changed my emotion, which is kind of corny, but, um, you know, it was a really empowering feeling for me and something that I really needed based on, you know, what I've been trying to deal with. And so I'm going to run through those things again, the six things that I mentioned for how we can shift our emotions. The first thing is to honor your emotions, but acknowledge that they are not always the truth. The second, change the tape. The third, don't rely strictly on your own resources. The fourth, look at the evidence of your life. Fifth, actively embrace the experience and look for lessons. And six, choose the path of your emotions. I want to take this time to answer a hashtag ask Tiff question. And this one comes from Alexandra and it reads after hearing your latest podcast. And this is just a note to, it's not about her. It's about me. I didn't answer this on the last episode. After hearing your latest podcast about your awesome vacation, my question is, could you share the best way to book an affordable honeymoon slash vacation? My fiance and I are getting married next April and all of the vacation vacations I have been on have either been with my parents or someone else booked. There are a lot of different options out there. Get a travel agent, don't get a travel agent, resort, hotel, all inclusive, and the list goes on. We'd love to hear your perspective on booking vacations. We are balling on a budget, but would still like to make our first getaway as husband and wife as memorable, a memorable one without breaking the bank. So Alexandra, um, first, thank you for your question. And I'm going to be completely honest. This is my vacation to Colombia was due to my relationship to people who are very serious about finding travel deals. And so a lot of my advice has, has come from them and um, being in a group me, honestly, with people who do tr who travel based on flight deals. So what I will say is that I think flight deals are an excellent, um, excellent way to have an opportunity to go to a place that you, number one, might not have even thought about going to before because it's become more affordable. That's literally how we ended up going to Bogota. It wasn't even a a thought of some point, not to say I didn't want to visit there, but I'd never really thought about visiting Colombia. And I was like, well, this opportunity is here. Let's do it. So the, so that being said, because you are talking about going on a honeymoon and you have a specific time frame in mind, flight deals are not necessarily the best for that. So 
the question, I guess, is for what I basically what I would suggest is um, for you and your boo to your fiance boo, I should say, to create a list of the places that you may want to go and then decide if you are flexible on your travel dates. I know that there are people who um, who get married and who don't go on their honeymoon right at like the, you know, the day traditionally right after the wedding. So if that's something that you and um, you and fiance boo might be open to, then consider that. And that that will kind of dictate whether, you know, flight deal searching will be um, ideal for you. And so in looking for flight deals, I'm going to put a list, uh, a few links in the show notes to several apps and websites that my friends have recommended. Um, But one thing I will say, no matter what your, whether you decide to go with a flight deal or not, Airbnb is really the jam. Like it is not, I have not had a negative, negative experience with Airbnb, whether domestically or abroad. I think that it's a, when you do your research, when you actually take, um, you know, time to look at the pictures, read the reviews, those kinds of things, I think it can be a really valuable experience. And I know you not sure if you want the cushy kind of honeymoon type of suite for your, for your, for your honeymoon. But it's some of these, you know, places, depending on where you're trying to go, they have really nice, um, you know, kind of luxurious feeling atmospheres. There are places that have infinity pools and showers outside and all these kinds of things. So I would say look into Airbnb because that will save you a lot of money that as compared to going to, um, to a, a resort there, there are trade-offs. Um, you know, you have to do some of your own grocery shopping or you can, you would have to pay a little bit more money to have, um, you know, maybe have a helper in the house that you're staying in. We were able to have a, a chef in our house and she was, she was phenomenal. So those are some considerations that I have. I'll put, like I said, there'll be more um, specific information in the show notes related to the kinds of apps and websites. So for example, Hopper is an app that I use. Um, there is a, f- a website called theflightdeal.com that you can sign up for um, you know, alerts so that you can know when um, you can put an alert and just you know see what happens. So I will put a link to that in the show notes and Best of luck to you. I hope that I hear from you and hear what you decide. Let me know if you continue to listen. I hope you do. And um, I'd love to hear about your your trip once it happens. And I think that wraps it up for this episode of How Does She Do It? Thank you for listening. I know this was this episode is actually a little bit longer than usual, but hopefully you bared with me and recognize that I had a lot to say um, because of the time that I have been away. And I made a rhyme. I'm fly. It's like, um, so this week's review comes from Brown Stew. It says, insightful and witty. This podcast has now become the highlight of my Wednesday. While I could listen to her humorous musings for hours, it's Tiffany's insight into how to help the young adults succeed academically, professionally, personally, and even spiritually that really keeps me coming back. I already heeded her advice in multiple arenas of my life and seen success. I know God has amazing things in store for this young woman, and I'm happy to listen in and participate in this journey we call life. Thank you, Brown Stew, for being a part of this journey with me. And 
hopefully you still listen even though I don't put up a show on Wednesday anymore I put it up on Thursday I really do appreciate your support if you have not left me a rating and review in the iTunes store I would ask you to do so it's really helpful to know the feedback that I'm getting from the listeners if you don't want to put a rating in the store you can feel free to send me an email um, tiffany at how does she do a podcast.com anything that you want me to talk about on the show, articles that you come across that you think I should talk about during Just My Thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, I appreciate your support. And until next time, be blessed and be a blessing.